poisonous bullets. The silent betrayal of Cindy Sumakaka. A son of the ANC committed to the movement. I sleep ANC. I eat ANC. Every day in my life. Even when it kicked him out. But did his politics claim Sindiso Makaka's young life? If I didn't associate myself with this organization, maybe today I will be a street kid. Maybe today I will be a thug. Maybe today I will be a useless person that won't be remembered when he dies. In July 2017, a botched assassination robbed the town of Umzimkolo. Makaka was shot execution style just a few kilometers away from his home. Bullets riddled his vehicle. He survived and seemed to be on the mend. Yet, months later, the 35-year-old died in his hospital bed, complaining of sharp stomach pains. A year on, and still, no one knows who shot him. No one knows just why he was targeted, and no one knows what actually killed him. I'm Ziandang Nobo, and I'll be taking you through the twists and turns of this tragic story. It's a tale of political intrigue, a family's pain, and the mysterious death of one of KwaZulu Natal's brightest young minds. My decision will never be influenced by anyone. They will be influenced by the principles of the ANC because I worship the ANC. Sindeso's killers are still out there, and even now, there are fresh theories about why he was shot and possibly poisoned. But they have nothing to do with politics. Could it be that Sindeso was killed because of a love triangle gone sour? Or was the Umzumkulu councillor involved in a business deal that went south? Was he really killed for speaking out against corruption in his hometown? Or was it because he was about to join the EFF? And there are even more questions about what killed the young politician. He was, after all, on the road to recovery at the Chief Albert Lutuli Hospital and was even due to start physiotherapy. His family expected him to come home. Why was he right? He was doing fine. He was about to start his first week of physiotherapy. He was doing okay. Our hopes were very high. But despite making good progress, he never made it out. And relatives think that's because Sindeso was finished off by his enemies. They think it was poison. But now, 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 this thing of him having stomach cramps in hospital as if he had eaten poison, we really don't understand. How come his injuries were from the waist down, yet it's as if he had eaten poison? We are not very, very happy. That's Monamesi Makaka, Sindeso's brother. We'll hear from him later about how his brother died and about the broken promises that followed. But for now, let's go back to a gloomy and overcast morning in September 2017. It's been one week since Sindeso died in hospital. Thousands have flocked to the hilly and mountainous village of Ibisi to pay tribute to him. The news of his death has sent shockwaves through South Africa. His family are stunned. As they mourn his passing, 
speculation is rife about how he died. It's been widely reported that he was hospitalized after dozens of bullets ripped through the air back in July. This is Eyewitness News. We begin with news from KZN where former ANC Youth League Secretary General Cindy Somakaka has died. The ANC Youth League in KwaZulu-Natal confirmed the news this evening, saying the party's delegation is on its way to the late leader's family. Magaka died last week in hospital after being ambushed with two other councillors in July. He has been described as a loyal member of the ANC who died fighting against corruption. Magaka and his fellow councillors Nonsegelelo Mafa and Jabulile Msia were badly hurt. Now, two months later, many think Sindiso died because of the wounds he suffered in that assassination attempt. But this is not the version of events the Makaka family believes. It's mid-January 2018 and Sindiso's death is under the spotlight at the Moirane Commission of Inquiry. Now, it was a shock to the family to hear that Sindiso has passed away just because of stomachache problems. Definitely the wounds were on his legs, not on the torso or upper body. That's Lozi Makakra, Sindiso's cousin, but he's really more like a brother. This is audio of him testifying at the commission investigating political killings in KwaZulu-Natal. The family is still waiting for a toxicology report to shed some light on whether he may have been poisoned. But it's many weeks before they get any answers. In March, Police Brigadier Bongani Makashalala tells the commission that Sindiso died because of gunshot wounds. We did get hold of the toxicology report. So there, there's no report that is outstanding. Chairperson, it excluded the possibility of, or that suspicion of poison. So if police insist the gunshots killed him, but the family says he was complaining of stomach problems just before he died, who do we believe? I take a drive to Sindiso's hometown of Umzimkulu to try to find some answers. I also want to know how his family's doing. Anyone coming into the IBC village where Sindiso grew up is forced to pass the spaza shop where he was shot, his SUV sprayed with dozens of bullets. Then you have to make your way through these narrow streets dotted with unmarked speed humps and there are often animals wandering on the road. I find Sindiso's mother, Ketiwe Makaka, outside the family home. She's known to everyone here as Madlamini. She's wearing a long grey skirt and a t-shirt, very casual, and is sitting next to Sindiso's brother, Monamesi. In the backyard, that bullet-riddled SUV, it's still there, covered in a tarpaulin. My Lamini takes me inside. She leaves me in the family lounge and disappears for a few minutes, gathering more relatives to speak to me. Once everyone else arrives and settles in, I'm sitting with six relatives from both sides of Sindeso's family. Before hitting the record button, I explain to them why I'm here, why I'm asking them all these difficult questions on what has been a deeply hurtful time. We start off by reflecting on the family's healing, or the lack thereof. Again, Sindiso's cousin brother, Loazi, begins by lamenting the lack of closure. The family passed by to see Sindiso at the hospital on Saturday. 
They came back complaining that they didn't get to spend time with him because all he cried about is his stomach. This very stomach that finished him off. Loazi and Monames explain how, the Friday before Sindiso died, he started complaining about his stomach. He was already under 24-hour guard at this stage, with police and his own personal bodyguard stationed inside and outside his hospital room. His mother, Madlamini, was one of the last people to see Sindiso alive when she visited him in hospital. For the first time, Madlamini speaks publicly about her last hours with her son. What hurts me the most, Sindiso was not killed because of his gunshot wounds. He was doing well. But the next thing he was complaining about his stomach. On Monday, the 4th of September 2017, around 48 hours later, Sindiso died. We still want to investigate. If we can do so legally and if God helps us, we want to investigate the date, sister in charge in the kitchen, and all the staff, right down to what he ate that day. Who was in charge? Sindiso's brother, Monamesi, maintains the young man was murdered. He was poisoned by someone close to him. Something is definitely fishy. Cindy Somakaka was recovering very well. Next thing, one, two, one, two, his stomach. Then next thing, he's dead. Never. We are not happy as a family. The family is grieving, but their suffering doesn't end with Sindiso's death. Luazi Makaka explains how a day later, on Tuesday, they wanted to have his body transferred to a mortuary for a post-mortem. On the Tuesday, we came here. It was me and one of the Pumula boys. We were sent to Durban to go to Chief Albert Lutuli Hospital. We took the case number and the name of the investigating officer. When we got there, we were told that someone whose ID has the Makaka surname is needed. We did all that. I then asked about the cops. They said it was still there. So then I asked when it would be transferred to the government mortuary. I was told the government mortuaries are still full, but when there's space, they would fetch the body. By the time Loazi called the hospital again on Wednesday, forensic pathologists had begun working on the body without the family's permission. So at the hospital, they had also told us that in order for the autopsy to be done, that on the Wednesdays, the sixth, a member from the Makaka family would need to come back with their ID bearing the Makaka surname. This was so that the body can be released to the mortuary and that a post-mortem can be done. So we then came back home on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I woke up and went to work and was waiting for the hospital to get back to me. When it hit 9 o'clock, I phoned the mortuary to ask why they were so quiet. They told me that the body was already with them. It was fetched the night before 
after we left the hospital. It was already at the Gale Street government mortuary. That's the problem. The family are left with yet more questions. Why was the autopsy started without them being told? Who gave the go-ahead for that to happen? And can they even trust police to properly investigate this death? You've been listening to an EWN podcast written and researched by Zian Dangobo and produced by Peter Theron.